0: What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back for another episode, episode 33 of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. You guys know what you got to do, man. Hit that like, subscribe button, tell a friend to tell a friend notification so that you never ever ever miss an episode of unfiltered with jesse holly spread that thing around apple spotify leave comments leave the five star you know how we got to get down man but you know how i like to get down i like to give my positivity in the beginning because let's be honest most of you are not going to be here at the end and that's okay but i challenge you to give me three listens pick any episode you want we got 33 of them out there 15 minutes apiece If at the end of these three episodes, these 15 minutes, you don't like Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, find three more and then find three more after that. But eventually you will learn to love me. Love me like I love you. like I said, I like to give my positivity at the beginning. And here's what I got for you guys today. It's a simple quote that I think has profound um, meaning to it. And it simply says, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Comfortability is cool. It's easy. It's it's nice. It's secure. Um, It's the mundane job. It's the blah relationship. It's the... Point A to point B. It gets you there, but there's no living in it. Um, There's no passion in it. There's no fulfillment in it. Your life begins at the end of your comfort zone. If you're looking for extraordinary things to take place in your life, you have to, um, the proverbial slang tone is get off the porch. You have to be willing to step outside of what you are comfortable with. You have to be able to step outside those things that you find secure. Sometimes you got to live a little dangerous. And I don't mean life and death dangerous, but I'm saying that you got to go and challenge yourself. You got to go and step off the porch, make that leap, take that jump in those areas where you really say, you know what, this has always been a thought of mine or a passion of mine, but I've never had enough courage just to go out there and do it. Well, as long as you're sitting in that comfortable space, that mundane place, that, that, that place of security, then you're never going to be able to realize just how amazing you are because on the other side of mundane, the amazing side of you takes a little bit of stretching, takes a little bit of jumping, takes a little bit of living on the edge. But that requires for you to get out of your comfort zone. That requires you to expand yourself just a little bit more. That requires you to go places that you've never been. My coach used to say, if you want something that you've never had, you have to be willing to do something you've never done. That was literally my calling. Uh, uh, That was literally like the verse that I took with me when I was going on fourth along. I, I, I was at a place where I needed something to shake for me. And I had no idea, I walked into that fourth and long as blind as Ray Charles, not knowing what was on the other side. But it was in order for me to have something I never had, I had to be willing to go and do something I'd never done. And be comfortable in that. Being comfortable in the uncomfortableness of the unknown. But knowing that I was called, and I am called, and you're called, to do something greater than what you're probably doing right now. And some of you, you may be saying, you know what? He ain't talking to me right now. And I'm not. I'm talking to those that are living in that comfort zone, wanting to explore and have things in their life that feel a little bit uncomfortable. You got to be willing to go chase that. Your life truly begins at the end of your comfort zone. All right, man, let's get into this Cowboys Giants preview. And... This show is called Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, And I, <laughs> I got to be completely honest with you. And I don't do this often, but the Giants are bums. And this is not, uh, please don't, don't take offense to this if you're a Giants fan. But if you're an honest Giants fan, all of you out there, my boy A Solo, Alex, I know that you're a big Giants fan. There's a lot of y'all out there that Giants fans. If you're being honest with yourself, and if you're looking at the man or the woman in the mirror who are Giants fans, you're seeing exactly what I'm seeing. You're seeing this team that is trash. They're down to their backup to the backup. Tommy DeVito uh, will be their starting quarterback this week. Tommy DeVito doesn't even have a locker. Tommy DeVito was a practice squad dude. Too. He, no, no, no. This is, this, is, this is honest to God truth. He doesn't have a regular locker. His locker is in the middle of the locker room. It's a stationary locker that they give to the practice squad guys. He doesn't, they didn't even, he doesn't even have a real locker. Like, this is, this, is, this is how far they have come. And, you know, we can go back and we can revisit what the game was at the beginning of the year. And think about that for just a second. To open up the season, at that juncture of the year, everyone has hopes, aspirations. For the most part, your team is entirely healthy. Every, All the goals and, 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 and ambitions and thoughts of the future, Super Bowl playoffs, division, all of your goals were out in front of you. You were looking at those goals and you were saying, you know what? Yeah, we're in the team meeting. We can get to the Super Bowl. And you're looking around the locker room, you're saying, you know what? Man, we got a good tight end. Our running back got his deal done. Our quarterback is coming into the second year. Our coach is defending uh, 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 defending, reigning head coach of the year last year. And we got our guys on defense and Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence. And, all, and we have all these guys. And everything in front of you looks bright and, and it looks like it's accomplishable. And then you get your head beat in 40 to nothing. And maybe you can say, you know what, okay, cool. That, 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 is, that is what it is. And there's still a long season to go. And then the season begins. And, and your offensive line couldn't, beat, couldn't block blocking dummies. You, you, you remember the, the, the Giants off, uh, offensive line, Evan Neal, remember he got booed? Y'all remember that. He got booed, and then he came into the media and said, yeah, those people are probably flipping burgers. And then the media jumped on his back. And they were saying, when you see Evan Neal in the mall, boo him. When you see Evan Neal at a restaurant, boo him. If you see him at an amusement park, boo him. If he just so happens to make it to the Pro Bowl and you see him at the Pro Bowl, boo him. I mean, they wanted to boo their starting (laughs) right tackle. And then you watch on on, on games – I watched the game for the Cowboys, and I felt bad for for, for Daniel Jones. Coach just left him in there. I I mean, he left him in there, and they just teed off on him. And I thought maybe it was a one-off. And then you watch more games throughout the season with the Giants, and Coach just let this kid get teed off on to the point where it sent him to IR with a neck injury. Up comes Tyrod Taylor. He wins a game, but then guess what? He goes out with an injury. And then you have Daniel Jones come back, only to be running for his life, Terrence ACL. He's done it for the season. And to be honest with you, this is one of those deals where um, it, it it's it's it starts at the top. This is on Brian Dayball, right? You you had an opportunity to come in here. You, you you took a team last year that didn't deserve to go to the playoffs to the playoffs. Congratulations, kudos to you. Then you come back. Same team, you added some new pieces, and it just is not working. The Giants have now realized we have invested money into Daniel Jones that will, that's full gold, and they're going to probably have to eat that bread and, and look into the draft and, and, and see whether it's the, the kid for Washington, Penix Jr., or Caleb Williams, or Drake May, or however this may fold out, because they'll have a top ten pick. At, at this rate, it'll be the Cardinals, it'll be the Giants, uh, it, 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 who, Chicago, but Chicago doesn't want a quarterback, maybe. They're going to be in that conversation of teams that are looking to pick in the top ten. And maybe one of those three quarterbacks will fall to them and they can start They can start anew because Daniel Jones ain't it. Jalen Hyde, the, the kid that they got from Tennessee who was supposed to be a speedster, haven't seen it. And this is the point in time of the season, and, I, and I'll get more into the breakdown. It's not much to get into the breakdown, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, it's, it's not much to get into. But now they're starting to have some internal battles, the New York football giants are. Because after the game last week where they lost to the they – they didn't lose. They got blown out. 30-6, to six, they lost to the Oakland Raiders uh, with an interim head coach, with a team who has been going through their in-house turmoil and in the Oakland Raiders. They lose to the Oakland Raiders, and now you have this – is, this is when you can start seeing the chinks in the armors for teams that are falling apart. We're, we're, we're in now in week nine of the season. We're at the proverbial halfway point of the season, and it sucks for certain teams because you can look ahead and go, well, right now we're, 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 we're fourth in the division, or third or fourth in the division, so playoff hopes for us is, if not gone – fleeting very fast. So we're not going to the playoffs. And then you have to keep trying to find will to get up every single day and go to practice and go to meetings and take this thing serious. And and I'll tell you in a second where a lot of these players, where a lot of these players are, are, are at mentally at this point in time of the season, when you know that your season is just about over, and you're not going to make any type of postseason run. You're not going to make any noise. You're not going to challenge anybody in the division, anybody in your conference. When this season ends, so when like the last season, the last game, that's it for you. That, that, that is absolutely it for you. But earlier this week, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale said he felt hurt and surprised by safety Xavier McKinney's comments after they lost 36, 30-6 to the Raiders. McKinney said after the game that the team's leaders were not being heard. The Forfear safety is one of the defensive captains. The Giants have 10 defensive 10 captains in total. He is one of them. He said that they weren't listening to me. And Wink Martindell replied he says, "Yeah, it surprised me because it's the first time I've ever happened to me in my career. Now Rick Martindale has been coaching the national football league for 36 years. And he said, this is the first time as a coach and 36 years that I've ever had a player say about me that I Rick Martindale, your defensive coordinator that's been coaching for 36 years in the national in, in coaching in general, um, I've never had a player say that he didn't listen to him or his leadership or the council at least take their thoughts into consideration. He said they made a statement. He said, I think it was a case of the kid just frustrated from losing. We spoke, we cleared it up. The example that he gave of what he was talking about was an in-game adjustment. It really took a while for him to get to the point out exactly what it was. But I think you grow from that. And I just told him that something... Something that hurts the locker room, it hurts the defensive room when you say something like that. Coach Dayball followed up and said that McKinney uh, would be in his usual role on Sunday, starting safe against the Cowboys, and they would they wouldn't be any on-field discipline for expressing his opinion. So now you have players saying they ain't even listening to us. And coach is saying, I ain't never had that happen to me in my in my career. So you can see the the, the chinks in the armor begin to break from the inside out. This team is done. This team is done. This team is a team who had negative nine passing yards against the New York Jets. Yeah, I said that. This is a team who Saquon Barkley is their in-all, be-all on offense, and he averages like 80-something yards rushing. He's going to have to carry the ball a 1,000 times. And, and Tommy DeVito, um, rookie quarterback, he played at Illinois, and he played at Syracuse. He has some athleticism in the way that he can kind of move around, but this, this, this kid is going to be in for his life. He, he's going to be in for, 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 for a fight for his life. And it's all bad for the New York football Giants. Yeah, I know they 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 got some good they got some decent guys up front defensively, but overall, this football team is toast. It is toast, and the only way because think about it, forty to nothing, and you had everything in front of you at the beginning of the season, and now at this juncture of the year, guys are just making business decisions. Guys, guys are just like, hey, I'm, in the words of the great the philosopher Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> A lot of these guys just showing up for the check. This season is over. This team is toast. And if there's one thing, this small little minute thing that scares me for the Cowboys, and i and tell you, it's mustard seed small. And I'm going to give you the thought process behind the scenes of, of, of how it goes. Cause I've been I've been on both sides of the ledger. I've been on the team that was really good playing a, a bad team, and I've been on the ledger when, when we were a really bad team and we were playing the good team. And what happens is this: as a player, every week you come into the building on Mondays, you are given the game plan. Not in a notebook, but you're given a game plan. And you, I had playbooks. They have iPads now. In the iPad. We used to get CDs. What they have is each coach on the side of the ball, right, offensively or defensively. You're, let's say offensively because I played offense. It would go, okay, tight end coach, you have all the first and ten cut-ups of the opposing team's defense. Wide receiver coach, you have all the second down cut-ups and so on and so forth, third down, goal, you know, goal, red zone, goal line, and all that kind of stuff. And so you get these cut-ups, and in these cut-ups, you kind of, they, they have about 10 to 15 plays in these cut-ups, and you watch them, and it's kind of like, hey, here's what they like to do on these downs defensively. Look for this coverage. Look for these blitzes. Look for this type of stuff, and you watch them over and over and over again throughout the week. You watch them in the offense-defense meetings. You watch them in the position meetings. You go out in the practice and practice them, and then you go back home and watch them on film. Now, when you're playing the Eagles and you're playing, or the, the, the Niners, or you're playing uh, in a couple of weeks, when you're playing a team that really, 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 really matters, you dive into that. You're like, man, I, I have to find all of the minute details in this. But what happens is when you're playing the Booty Juice Giants and you're looking at them and you're going, this team is so bad. This team is so trash. This, scene, this team is so boo-boo. You tend not to want to watch the film. Now, all of a sudden, the ADD in people begins to heighten. Because you look at the team, you go, there's nothing that they can do to stop us. So before, while I would have put hours into watching film and really breaking it down, my notes would be detailed. I'm trying to play Fortnite. I'm trying to play Call of Duty. I'm I'm calling over Shorty. Normally, I say, nah, Shorty, tonight's I'm studying. I'm calling Shorty. Hey, come through. I might go out to watch a movie. I might go do something like that. I might, watch, I, might, I might Netflix and chill. I might do something, but I ain't watching this film. This film is so boring. It's so, it's so corny. I, we already beat them 40 to nothing. What are they going to do to us now? And then you get into this game, and I, and I call it, the, you, you patch that. Right? You patch that. And this happens on both sides, because I'm going to tell you what the Giants players are doing. For the Cowboys, they're like, yo, I can go and get me two, three sacks. I can go get me a pick. I can go get me, you know, I'm trying to take this thing to the house. I'm pump return, kick return. I'm trying to take this. Everybody's now trying to pad their stats against the New York football Giants. And that's the one thing that, that worries me a little bit is, players begin to look at this game, it's a get-right game. You can, find, you, can, you can get your rhythm going. Tony Pollard in the running game should get their rhythm going. You know, you want to see CeeDee Lamb. Can he do something th- three weeks in a row to, to, to another career high? Can he go get career high in touchdowns? He already had career high in receptions. He already had career high in yards. Can he go get career high in touchdowns? Can Tony Pollard get back on track with 100 yards rushing? Can Dak continue his uh, incredible quarterback play with another 350-plus yard game? All these things we call, we call games like this against the New York Giants. We call them uh, the pharmacy games. You know when you're sick and you got an ailment, you go see the doctor, what do you do? He writes you a script. Take it on down to the CVS or to the Rite Aid or to the to the to the Walgreens, and you get your medicine. And you feel better. The Giants are feel better. they feel better. That's what this team is. It's it's feel better. They 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 are they they have become the medicine. For the Cowboys, whatever your ailments are, you play the Giants, and all of a sudden you get right. They're the prescription the doctor ordered. And on the flip side, for the New York Giants, and I've been in their spots. I, I, I've been in locker rooms where <laughs> I've been in locker rooms where I'm I'm hearing guys begin to call a people up and tell them, "Yo, after Thanksgiving, I'm shipping the cars to Florida." Hey, have so-and-so come and pack the house up. Hey, Bay, start looking at transferring the kids into the second half of the year school. Because they go to school in the town that we play in for that first half of the year. But after that, in January and February, we go back to our house in Georgia, house in Florida, house in Texas, house in California. And the kids going to finish the rest of the school year over there. This was, is this what's happening. The Giants players now are making the ultimate business decisions on the field. Because the last thing that you want as a Giants player as this season gets nearer and nearer and nearer to the end is you don't want to get hurt. And it's not that you don't want to get hurt for hurting sakes. No. You don't want to get hurt because if I get hurt and it's a serious injury and I have to go on IR towards the end of the year or we're two games from the season being over and I tear my ACL or I break a bone, guess what? I got to stay here and rehab. I got to stay, I got to stay in New York, New Jersey and rehab. I got to be around the team facility as I rehab. I can't go live in California or Florida or Texas and, and be in my offseason home. I got to stay here. So guys will start to say, hey, oh, oh, hey. I, ain't, I, I, ain't, I ain't going in there. I ain't jumping on that pot. I'm ain't. i I'm not sticking my head in there. No, sir. I'm not doing that. i making a business decision. And also for the Giants, you know what they're also saying? Guys start looking at their contracts and they're, saying, they're calling their agents and they go, what, well, what are my escalators? Well, what, what are my bonuses? Well, it says um, if, if you make the playoff, well, we ain't making the playoffs. So what's the other bonuses that I got on my contract? Well, if you get, right now you're at two interceptions. If you get the five interceptions, you get a $250,000 bonus. Or, hey, your, your contract says right now, uh, if you get, you had three, you had four sacks, but if you get eight sacks uh, in the year, that you get a $400,000 bonus. You know what? If you play this many snaps in your contract, you get a $100,000 bonus. If you get this many receptions, this many touchdowns, or, or, or whatever, this many yards, you get these bonuses so now guys are out there for self now I'm jumping routes I'm trying to get picks I'm trying to get sacks I'm trying to pad my stats now so that at the end of the year in this losing season at least I can win on the side of money this is what the Gi- this is what some of the Giants players are thinking I I, I guarantee you they 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 they're, they're taking another gloss over their contract and looking at that escalator box oh what, 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 what flips the switch on my escalators? What, flip the, what flips the script on my bonuses? Because we ain't going to the playoffs, so I know I ain't getting that bonus. But what can I work through right now and get that bonus? Okay. I need, okay, I need three more interceptions. Bet. I don't care if I give up 300 yards. I don't care if they score 14 times on me. I'm going to jump these routes and see if I can't get me an interception for the next couple of weeks. What's coach going to do, bench me? Okay. <laughs> if, if we trash and I'm the starter, we're probably going to be more, even more trash when the guy behind me still plays. Eventually, I'll be back out there again, and I'll be gunning for my escalators. That is the reality, of it, the reality of it all. This is a game for the Cowboys that they need and must win. It should be over at like halftime. We should be kicking our feet up by the end of the third quarter, and we honestly should see backups in in the fourth quarter. I'm just going to be honest with you. We should see our backups in. The Cowboys should have their backups in in the fourth quarter because it, 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 doesn't, make, it doesn't make any sense to, to let this football team hang around longer than they have to be. All right, man. That's that's really all I got for this, man. Like, I I don't have. I, I promise you. I, I wish I, I wish I had more for you. I really do wish I had more for you. This team is just not good right now. We'll we'll have some more. We got we got some we got some boo boo games coming up. But then we get to a stretch where we really get. We got Seattle and Miami and Buffalo. We'll get into those games. Those games actually matter. But like you know, playing. The Giants and the Panthers, these teams shouldn't be on the same field as you. If you are talking about that you are a serious Super Bowl contending team, these are the games that you have to go ahead and get, get these guys, blow them out and get out of it and get rid of them. But we'll see what happens. All right, man, let's go around the NFL and let me give you my picks for this weekend. pull this thing up right here. All right, man, here we go. Colts, Patriots, hmm, another boo-boo game. That one's in Frankfurt, but it's an 8.30 game. I like that because it gives me football early in the morning, even though this is a boo-boo game. It gives me football early in the morning. Give me the Colts over the Patriots in Frankfurt. Bengals, Texans. I am a C.J. Stroud fan, ladies and gentlemen. I am a C.J. – he had a great quote. CJ Stroud is becoming one of my favorite football players. I, I, I like this kid. He is he is getting ready to break the generational curse, the generational curse of Ohio State with bad quarterbacks in the National Football League. But CJ Stroud had a comment the other day, and he said, uh, he said, basketball players want to be football players, football players want to be basketball players, and we all wish we could play baseball. And I, I'm with him, young boy. I'm with you. I'm with you. I was one of the fortunate ones to be able to do both at one point in time in my career uh, at the University of North Carolina, go heels, play football and basketball, won a national championship. Mm-hmm. I sure did. But he's right. He's right. You look at the offseason, all these guys want to play basketball. They all think they're the next LeBron or they could have done. And then the football, basketball guys are the same way. You see guys, they, they're playing football on the court. Ain't one thing they can hold down or they can do a sack, or they, they, they all-time quarterback. It, it always happens. And the reason we all want to play baseball, we all want baseball money. We all want baseball money. Very few can, honestly, like baseball, I, I think hockey is the hardest sport to play, to go that fast on them thin blades and chase a small little puck around with a stick. My back hurt thinking about it. But baseball, to me, comes next. To be able to catch that little ball coming at you 100 miles an hour with a stick, that's tough. That's tough. But, but CJ's right. Everybody wants, and then, you know, uh, all them want to be rappers. And rappers want to be athletes. Yeah. <laughs> we all want to have this co-mingling thing, but I am a huge fan of CJ Stroud, who is setting the world on fire. Broke a rookie record with his passing performance last weekend. I, I don't think he wins this game. I don't think he wins this game. I think the Bengals take them out. It's a home game for the Bengals, but I, I like this kid. 14 touchdowns to one interception. That that's unrookie-like. That's season vetish. To go 14 to 1. Touchdown to interception ratio. That that's 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 pretty impressive. At almost 2,300 yards midway through this season, he has this football team, the Texans, at four and four. Midway through, most people thought the Texans wouldn't win four games all year. They're four and four right now. I think they fall to the Bengals, but I like C.J. Stroud, man. I like this kid. I'm, I'm I'm gonna dig and dive more into to 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 this player and, and watch him more and make it make it. Make it my business to to put him on one of the the TVs at the crib uh, and and keep an eye on him when I can because I I like this kid. Saints versus Vikings. Shout out to Josh Dobbs who came in last week. Doesn't even know all the teammates that he has on the team. Don't even know all their names. Didn't know all the plays in the playbook. Didn't think he was going to play. First quarter, the starting quarterback goes down. Here comes Josh Dobbs. He goes and takes his team on a game-winning job, beat the Atlanta Falcons. In a week where he just got there. They take on the Saints at home. Josh Dobbs, I believe, will be the starter this week. So we'll see how that goes. He said in the interview this week that he vows to learn everyone's name by the end of the week. Good luck. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I like I, I like the Josh Dobbs story this year. He's a kid who's a, a consummate professional. No matter where he goes, you see him be able to perform. He gave credit to Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. He said, you know, those guys kept me ready when I first came into the league. He said, sometimes Ben will go down, and you'll have to get ready, and the next thing you know, you look up, and Ben's back in there. He said, so I was always taught to kind of be ready, be ready, be ready, how to be a professional. So we gave a lot of credit to Mike Tomlin, who I think is one of the the most fantastic coaches and leaders in the National Football League. Uh, I'm going to take Saints over Vikings this Sunday. Uh, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, 12 noon, in Pittsburgh, give me the Steelers over Green Bay. Jordan Love is just not it. It's tough when you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, but shout out to Jordan Love. Just not it. The Titans and the Buccaneers. Will Levis will get his second start. It's a little something behind the scenes that I'll talk about another day when it comes to that. His third start. This is his third start. Oh, Will Levis will get his third start. Um I I've you know, sorry, OU fans, but I've never been a Baker Mayfield fan. Just hadn't. Don't like him, don't don't like him. He he has a punchable face. I don't condone violence. I just understand violence. And Baker Mayfield has a punchable face that I've never it's never I've never been able to wrap my mind around like just liking him, enjoying his game is is. Give me the Titans. Give me the Titans. This is going to be a good, big game right here. Niners at, uh, Niners at Jaguars, Niners coming off the bye. They, they've lost since they beat the Cowboys, they've lost three games in a row. Their tackle was out. Um, big Trent Williams, Debo Saint was out. I think both of those guys will play. This is going to be a big game. Jacksonville's a sneaky, sneaky contender in the AFC. Good football team. I think the Niners get back on the winning track. I think having that week off, some guys healed up. They got a chance to kind of refocus. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan will get his troops ready to go down there and, uh, and and win that football game in Duval. Browns, Ravens, Lamar Jackson, to me, is the league's leader in, in the MVP race right now. That's just to me. You don't have to believe that. That may not be your belief. I'm not saying that you have to believe what I believe. But that's what I believe right now. Give me the Ravens over the Browns in Baltimore in T-Bank Stadium. Falcons-Cardinals. The Cardinals are bad. Falcons will take that one. Lions-Chargers. The Chargers. Let me say this about the Chargers. We have to continue to say that Brandon Staley and Kellen Moore are bad coaches. And that we're getting ready to we're, – we're, in a minute, we're going to have to say for Justin uh, Herbert – that he, he has had all the talent in the world and has been a bust when it comes to living up to that talent. He is all world when it comes to just the sheer talent. If you just took the talent, I ain't talking about the talent, the ability to run, to throw, this, all of that, there's no way that this team should be as putrid as it is, as mundane and as, as middle of the road and lower than it is. You thought going to get, like, Brandon Staley was already bad for Justin Herbert. Then you go and you add Kellen Moore. You double down on being bad for a player. And and, and now both of you are probably going to lose your job in that situation. And this kid who has all-world talent, don't tell me about him being elite no more. He ain't elite. He He ain't elite. He has talent that could make him elite. He ain't close to being elite. Ain't close. Elite talent takes that talent and wins games. He ain't doing it. Give me the fighting Dan Campbell, the MCDC, the Motor City Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions, head to Inglewood and take out the Chargers, the Commanders and Seahawks. I- I'm going for my boy, Sam Howell. Uh, go Heels. Go Heels. Give me the Commanders on the road over the Seahawks, Jets, Raiders. Raider Nation. <laughs> you got rid of that bump and Josh McDaniels. And, you know, it's funny because now all the stories are coming out about Josh McDaniel, just about how bad he was. And I, I even I even appreciate the uh, the GM. He's trying to say, like, you know what? I, I didn't want Jimmy Garoppolo to begin with. That, that was Josh McDaniel. I didn't want to sign Jimmy Garoppolo. He wanted to sign Jimmy Garoppolo. I didn't want to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. He wanted to give Jimmy Garoppolo that deal. They gave Jimmy Garoppolo that deal, and they benched him. <laughs> the locker room has not looked as happy you, 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 see, you hear clips from, from, uh, from Josh Jacobs. You hear clips from uh, uh, Devontae Adams at the basketball game. He, he's, he is happy as a pig and crap and mud. They got rid of the cancer. Antonio Pierce came out in, in one of his pressures this week, and he talked about, you know, I, I put the practice squad guys back on the field, which is, which is unheard of. The practice squad guys they, they, they work hard for you all week, give you great looks, and you tell them that they can't be on the sideline during the game. This is the leader that Josh McDaniels y'all was trying to pitch to people. This is this this is the, this is a person that 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 doesn't care about people, who is a horrible leader. And, and, and more and more, you're starting to see more stories come out about how bad Josh McDaniels is. And people say, oh, he's not a people person. How can you not be a people person in a business where all you work with are people? <laughs> if you're not a people person, then go, go clean. Go get on the skyscraper and clean windows. They make a good living. If you don't... Your job is to take 53-plus men and mold them into a team and you have the audacity to, to, to walk around as if you are a people person. I don't get it. Dude is bad. And you made a good decision. Go going to cost you. But you finally righted your wrong. Give me the Raiders over the Jets in Vegas. Antonio Pierce moves the 2-0 as an interim head coach. And then the game of the, I guess, the game of the Sunday. I guess. I don't know if it's a game of the Sunday, but Cowboys Giants, hundred to nothing. Like they shouldn't score a point. This really should be another forty point blowout. I honestly believe that this should not, this should not be a game. Uh, and then you got the Monday night game, Broncos Bills. <sighs> I gotta be a man of my word. I, I I gotta be mad at my word. I said I wasn't picking the Bills no more. They're not gonna lose that one, at home. <sighs> All right, Bills. That's it. This it, man. This it. This is it. You don't win this game, you're never getting picked again, on my platform. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> For the rest of the year. Bills over the Broncos in Orchard Park at Highmark Stadium. Those are my picks around the NFL. Let's jump into some NBA action. The Mavericks lost last night, and Kyrie came out and said, our coach called us soft." Jason Kidd called the Dallas Mavericks soft on the inside, giving up 71 paint points. Now, granted, their seven-foot Derek Lively was out due to an illness, but this has been a trend that, 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 that's been happening for the Mavericks earlier in the season. And, and, and Kyrie said, listen, when your head coach calls you soft, you got to take that as a man. Don't, don't get salty about it. You, you got to take that as a man and you got to do something about it. I kind of like, you know, I, I like Kyrie in this, this secondary role. I'm not going to lie to you. And maybe it's early. I know Kyrie is kind of almost conceded that this is Luca team, but it's not nothing wrong with being Robin and Luca being Batman. Hell, who got Batman out of most of the junk that Batman got himself into? Robin. So there's going to be times where Kyrie playing Robin will get to be the hero because Batman, Luca, has gotten himself into something that he didn't get himself out of. We've all seen the cartoons. We've all seen Batman. The joke, he messed around with the Joker. The Joke got him bound up to some sort of device, and he's dropping into some lava. And what happens? Here comes Robin. Comes to save the day. They give Batman the credit, but Robin sometimes saves the day. So that's okay for, for, for Luca to be Batman and Kyrie to be Robin. But Jason Kidd called him out. I like it. I like it. The Utah Jazz, still salty. Still salty. After all these years, the Utah Jazz had these epic battles back in the 90s with the Chicago Bulls, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls. You remember those games? The most infamous play? Remember he called himself like the Jordan Stopper, who, uh, 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 Byron Russell? <laughs> what, a, what a weird thing to say. But you all remember the infamous play? Got crossed. Got crossed up. If you're, if you're a Utah fan, got off. you got pushed off. You say if you're a Utah fan, everybody else says you got crossed up and then Jordan hit the iconic and faded off. Went on to another life. The Utah Jazz still salty. Some people found out over this weekend that the Utah Jazz Wi-Fi in the building, take a guess what the Wi-Fi password is. (laughs) The Wi-Fi password that the Utah Jazz use in their building is Jordan pushed off. Come on, y'all. Let it go! Jordan hits out with a nice move. He gives you a little butt tap. Like, hey, I'm out of here. I'm gonna knock this shot down, and I'm gonna get on about my business. I'm gonna get this chip, and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm going to go do my thing. But the Utah Jazz still salty about the Jordan play. I mean, I, probably if I was from Utah Jazz fan, I'd probably be salty too. Mm-hmm. But let it go. All right, um, Wimby, Victor Wimby, the Mecca of NBA basketball. And how, like, why do we still call this the Mecca? This is the question for me. This is, I, I have to ask this question. Why do we still call Madison Square Garden the Mecca? The Knicks ain't dish. The Knicks have not done anything <laughs> since Why is it the Mecca of basketball? Like, you, you, in order to keep this name, you got to do something Mecca-ish. Like, I know basketball was such a big place 73. since 73. I wasn't even, like, born in 73. I was so far from, I was... Eleven years from being born, and we're still calling New York City the the, the Madison Square Garden, the Mecca of basketball, and they have not done anything. Just just call it the Madison Square Garden. We're not. I don't. I'm not calling it the Mecca anymore. I, I'm I'm over it. Pack the Mecca up. Pack the Mecca up. You you can't hold on to these names forever. I guess you know their rebuttal would be, well, why the Cowboys call themselves America's team, I get it. I mean, numbers do show that they are the most recognizable franchise in all sports. But the Mecca, I'm out on it. Rookie Victor Wimbiana played his first game in the Mecca, and they asked him, they asked him, what did he think? Give me the distance between Manhattan to Harlem. What is the distance between Manhattan to Harlem? Harlem's in Manhattan, right? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. so... Down the street. MSG MSG, MSG. 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 When they asked Victor Wembanyama, what or how did it feel to play in the Mecca? 42 minutes drive. He said. Um, well, it's because traffic. Um, it's probably like 15 minutes. Let's say 15 minutes. Let's say 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> Victor Wembanyama's response to when they asked him about playing in the Garden He said, it wasn't as big as I thought it was. Whoa. (laughs) Do you not know Cam and Mace is from Harlem? This is a pause moment, Victor. I know that you're you're not from the United States, but you're, you're now in the culture. You're in the culture. When you say it's not as big as I thought it would be, that's a pause moment, my boy. You in New York, Cam and Mace somewhere in New York, and they're screaming pause at the top of their lungs. Young fella, you gotta just be careful how you say certain things. You can't be talking about, you know, it wasn't as big as I thought it was. And maybe I'm childish, and that's fine. I'm totally fine with that. It's a pause moment. It's a, it's a learning moment for you. You're learning the national, you're, you're learning the US culture, you're learning the NBA game. Just know that's a pause moment for you. And Cam and Mace are about 15 minutes away in Harlem, and they're screaming pause at you, Victor. <laughs> And then, like, like in, the, in around the NBA, Victor, not Victor, excuse me, the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, gets ejected from a, from a basketball game. Funny, he goes and sits on, in an open seat courtside. I don't like it. I, I do not like it. Giannis goes in for one of his monstrous slams. He stares the guy down. Then he gives him the too small sign, and he gets ejected. Second technical of the game. And the reason I do not like that is because these hardworking men and women save up their their coins and they wait for these games so that they can come see as fans or bring their children and when you throw out the marquee player in a game you've ruined the experience you've ruined the experience at some point in time unless it's absolutely egregious and now if it's egregious you throw them out but when you're when you're thinking about giving someone their second, their second technical you ain't giving jesse holly the second technical you're giving giannis the second technical the guy who's on the ticket stubs, the guy who's on the side of the building, the guy who has the signature sneakers, the guy who's carried this franchise to a championship, the guy who is the face when the team is on national TV, they're using his face. You can't throw that guy out. It's bad for business, referees. You have to have some sort of understanding and some sort of composure that you just can't do that. You have to be better in that. Sometimes you have to take a breath. And go, hey, big fella, don't do that. I could throw you out. But you can't throw Giannis out. You can't throw Giannis out. You can't throw Steph out. You can't. Now, egregious, I get it. Egregious, they got to go. But for a little stare down, Come on, guys. Don't, 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 don't. Don't be bad for business. Don't be bad for fandom. Throwing Giannis out is bad for business. It's bad all the way around when it's not egregious. you got to have a little bit more composure with those technicals because there are a lot of people who pay a boatload of money to come to these games, and you need the star players to be in those games. My final, of the th- my final thought of the show, um, I went a week without talking about Prime in Colorado. Not this week. I'm back. I'm back. Do you believe now? Nah? Shout out to the Colorado women basketball team who took on and defeated the number one LSU team this past weekend. The prime effect is happening all over the place. The Colorado women's basketball team took down the mighty, mighty LSU basketball team. They were joking around. They said, <laughs> "They said Angel Reese was everywhere this offseason, but the gym." I don't know how true that. I don't know how true that is. I'm just saying what they say on the internet. It was funny. They had Kim Mulkey sick, but shout out to them. Uh, but Deion Sanders, and I don't know how I feel about this, but Deion Sanders says. When, when reporters asked him about Shador getting ready for the NFL draft, Dion kind of just nipped that in the bud. Said, Shador ain't going nowhere. Shador, is, he, he, he's having a good time right here. And he spoke in, 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 in we terms. We having a good time right here. We, we, we building something here. He said the same thing about his son uh, Shiloh. Travis Hunter who is a sophomore, is not eligible to enter the draft just yet. He has to wait another year. But Dion said, nah, Shador is coming back. And when you start looking at things, you go to yourself, you go, wait a minute now, okay. Shador has worked himself up in the conversation of, if he came out this year, he would be in that group of quarterbacks that would be uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Penix Jr., Shador would probably be in the first four or five quarterbacks taken in the draft. But Dion makes a great point. When you look at Shador and his NIL evaluation, he has deals with Beats. He has deals with car dealerships. He has deals with the Tom Brady, TB12 uh, clothing line. He's he getting bread. Evaluation is that right now that Shador would make 14, excuse me, woo, that's a lot, $4.6 million. Not bad scratch. For a college quarterback. And if you look at that. It's just in the year per year basis. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud were the first two picks in the NFL draft a year ago. Not counting their their their, their signing bonus. Bryce Young will make $750,000 this year. And make $915,000 next year. Bryce Young won't get to a base salary of over a million to 2025. Well he'll make 1.03 $3 million dollars. CJ Stroud for this year will make $750,000. And then next year he'll jump in 2025 to making $2.3 million. So when you look at that and you go, well, if Shador is making 4.6 this year and his name is in the conversation of being one of the top quarterbacks taken in the draft, you, you would at least think he's going to make around the same amount next year because has already told you, I'm going to go get me some offensive linemen. That's the, that's the fix. And even with the worst offensive alignment that they've had, Shador has been able to still put up some pretty good numbers that keeps them in that conversation of the elite quarterbacks in, that, in, in, in college football. And you can almost bet your bottom dollar that Drake May is coming out. Caleb Love, excuse me, Caleb Williams is coming out. Um, Pennix is coming out. The kid Hartman from Notre Dame will be coming out. So if Shador comes back next year, he's probably going to be in the coverage of the number one quarterback in college football. And now his status even grows even more. And if Dion goes out there and puts together another big-time recruiting class, a big-time portal class, and, and now the movement from Colorado, from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. Big Ten, right? Big Ten or Big 12. What are they moving to? Colorado. Big 12. That's going to bring another set of audience eyes to Colorado. So while, while I don't, you know, I don't like Dion speaking for Shador. I think Shador is good enough and old enough to speak for himself. But Dion pretty much all said, he ain't going nowhere. He ain't going nowhere. And honestly, if he's making $4.6 million for a football team right now that probably won't make a bowl game. <laughs> not bad scratch right there. If you ask me, not bad scratch at all. All right, man, that's all I got for you. This is episode 33 of oh, I'm about to call it another show. I'm doing too many shows. I'm doing too many shows. This is episode 33 of unfiltered with Jesse Holly. please, like, subscribe, hit the notification button, share with all of your friends, man. Um, thank you guys for, for, the, for, the, for, for last week. We had uh, a clip, the Josh McDaniels clip, do over 50,000 views. Boy, what an accomplishment. I'm so proud of the team. I'm so proud of me. I'm so proud of you because it doesn't happen unless you watch it. And so that, that opens up in this, us into a space. The algorithms and all that kind of stuff, we, 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 we outside. We nice. I was I was this close to opening up today uh, what, 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 what a, this is why I'm hot. I'll, I'll say that for next week. But thank you guys man I appreciate you. Like, subscribe tell a friend to tell a friend just just put it on repeat just do all the great things man to, to, to help me win because when I win you win. We winning together. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this thing to the next level. We're two and a half, three months in, man, and we're doing great. And we're still building, we're still growing. It takes all of us. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. That's all I got for you guys today. Remember, never let anyone tell you that their lives are better than yours because it is your life. And that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.